Rodeo Adventure Labs podcast. This is episode five, and today we have Connor Ryan with us, and I'm also joined by my co-host Steve, the intern. There's no one to. Wa- I can't wave. You can't wave through a microphone. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome, Connor. Hi, I'm Takagyape, Amijiape, Connor Ryan. Iche wichasha Papa Lakota. Just letting you all know, I'm Connor Ryan. That's the name I go by. Uh, I come from the. Papa Lakota people. My family is from the uh, Standing Rock Reservation. So today is about um, unpacking how you kind of entered the rodeo lab sphere um, and also making a connection and establishing a common language to, to bridge the divide. Um, and so you are an athlete of Native Outdoors, and that is uh, Native Outdoors is the intersection of land rights, conservation, and outdoor sports. And you are an avid backcountry skier. Why are you on a, a podcast about bikes? That's a great question. Why am I in here? Um, yeah, yeah. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody decided it would be uh, a good idea to give me a, a shot at a you know riding a bicycle, and that, that happened to be you guys. So, um, word on the street was I was a uh, you know attempting to ride from uh, Central Oregon to san diego california as part of uh break the bicycle which is a cause that was started by damon bell holter who's a basketball player um played for oral roberts uh had some stints playing professionally and he is a uh, haida and black and he uh found that this was going to be kind of a way for us to unite and break into a new sphere of talking about black and indigenous men's mental health. And the way we're going to do that is to ride the entire left coast on our bicycles. Um, and then being from the community in the background that I'm from, I already have enough of a, a challenge just figuring out how to pay for all the stuff to make skiing happen. Um, so I started, you know, putting feelers out around the cycling industry, which is like a whole new thing for me. And, uh, Somehow that that led me into this laboratory of yours. <laughs> Nick, I know you have things that you plan on talking about, but I just had like 10 questions already. I was like, oh, oh, that sounds cool. Uh, I'm interested in that. <laughs> but I'm going to try and be polite because Nick's prepared. Um, yeah. But I, I, like, I kind of want to just hear about backcountry skiing and what that, that, that lifestyle is like as an athlete. Um, but we don't have to do it right away. Um, I don't want to harsh your mellow. And I also want to find out um, just geographically, um, like I know so little. Uh, I'm like, I just don't know where are various reservations, where do you come from, uh, you know, all of these things. I just love to fill in some blanks. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Do you want to get to that now? I I think we can, we can go off script. Um, I do have a script. Well, not a real script, but, you know. You're prepared. There's only a little bit of nervousness in your grin over there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we'll start with uh, 
yeah, I guess like where I where my family comes from, uh, my grandfather was born and raised on the Standing Rock Reservation, um, where Kunkupapa, Lakota. There's also Dakota people uh, on the Standing Rock Reservation, but we're pretty similar tribes, intermarry, get along, stuff like that. Um, and then my grandfather was part of like what you call like the lost generations, uh, stolen generations. So he was taken by the the Catholic school system. Um, and the, the policy back then was like, kill the Indian, save the man. Um, and so they would take these kids from the reservation and kind of bring them up uh, within the Catholic way of existence. And so by nature of all that sort of stuff, he actually ended up in L.A. And so um, my family is like, grew up, uh, my mother grew up in L.A., far away from that kind of stuff. And so my journey has kind of been a journey in, in my lifetime of cultural reclamation and getting back to that, um, which means like I had a lot of those same questions that you have about me yeah. <laughs> like back in the day. Um, and, and it's been a really cool thing because for me, like backcountry skiing has been a, a part of that process of relearning who I am and where I come from. And it's really tied in with my cultural reclamation um, that I've experienced. So Lakota people um, are part of like a larger nation, which is called Ocheti Shakoin, which is the Lakota, Dakota, and Nakota people. Um, we all get along because we speak essentially the same language. Um, and our traditional territory for that nation, it's also called the Great Sioux Nation. A lot more people are familiar with the word Sioux. Um, would have stretched from like, Basically, our southwest corner would have been the area we're in now, um, Denver, like up to the edge of the Rockies. Mm -hmm. And then it would have gone along the Rockies all the way up to like just into Canada. Um, like not as good at Canadian ge geography, but like up past Calgary and stuff. Um, and then to the east, it stretched over to the Great Lakes and down along the Mississippi, Mississippi and Missouri, like river valleys, and kind of back over this way. So it was like a large territory. We're nomadic people. Um, so that's why we had so much land because it was like wherever the buffalo go, we go. Um, and they covered all of that? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But uh, Lakota's people specifically would have been more in like the western kind of area of that uh, Great Plains, you know. Uh, South Dakota, Wyoming, Northeastern Colorado, Nebraska, uh, those those areas. So Which, not all of it is skiing area, if you will, but I actually have done a film that, that took me through a little bit of a skiing adventure in uh, Nebraska of all places, which was fun, and also up in the Black Hills of South Dakota, which are a little less well-known for their skiing uh, among <laughs> the other recreational activities there, but... It really Did turned you find? out pretty all right. What's that called? How can we find that? Film? Yeah, so that film is called uh, Paha Sapa, A Skier's Journey. Um, and you can find it on YouTube. It's also been shared by like TGR and uh, Outside Online. So if you put it, put it into Google, you'll, you'll get it in a handful of places. And some people have wrote some nice things about it as well. So cool. there's some articles around that and stuff. Seems like you you lucked out on some of the weather on that trip. It seemed like there's not always snow, um, and I don't know. I think some of the diehards there said you get what maybe three out of the five years you'll get a good snowpack, and it seemed like that year you did. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was you know it was 2019, which if you're a skier, 
you'll remember like 2019 was that crazy year. I think like uh, averages in like the West as a whole of the United States and Canada were the highest they've ever been for like a single season. Um, so it was that in combination with, a, I don't know if you remember the storm that they referred to as the bomb cyclone. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we were there when the bomb cyclone hit. Um, and so, yeah, we got like three feet of snow while mm-hmm. I was there, which definitely opened up a lot of possibilities because part of the challenge of skiing there is uh, the pine beetle yeah. hit there before it hit here. If that makes sense, they're kind of more impacted by climate change because they're at a lower elevation, even though they're further north. So it like used to be a lot colder there, uh-huh. and it got less cold quick compared to here, where like it stayed a little cold longer because we still have the elevation going for us. So anyway, there's a ton of deadfall in the places that are good for skiing, and so it took that little extra bit of snow to really you- open up the open up the lines. And so yeah, it was it was a blessing. It was kind of mysterious and powerful and cool uh, it's yeah. really cool yeah we don't have good years and bad years in cycling do we they're just kind of like the roads are there or they're not uh, weather i'd argue that we're going through a bad year right now with the smoke no i well yeah i mean this last few months uh, or not months weeks has bummed me out pretty big time how's it been in you're near boulder yeah yeah, yeah. i'm in lafayette yeah. yeah uh is it just as just as, i know it can change pretty dramatically in 10 or 20 miles but it just seems like everywhere i go yeah i think now like there was a point maybe like a week or two ago where i could like see it was worse somewhere else and then it would maybe like come this way but i think now that we're also like factoring in more fires yeah like it's kind of like the winds are carrying it everywhere um I mean, we're probably even getting some, you know, from some smoke from California and things like that at the same time. So, yeah, it's been an interesting time to be trying to train for a thousand miles of bike riding. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to get to that. But um, I remember when you and I first talked and I said, well, we'll, we'll and not in a pessimistic way, we'll, we'll see if the ride happens. We're not going to like right. hang yeah. everything on whether or not that ride happens because who can even know what next week looks like anymore, period. And now if you look at that air map of California, oh, it's that, nuts. the state is red and that Central Valley is scary looking. Mm-hmm. And like you couldn't possibly want to ride through that right now. Right. But, I mean, maybe they'll get it under control in time. But We're hoping. And the, the one lucky thing we'll have going for us is we are on the coast the whole way. Mm. So it's like nothing can be west of us that's on fire. I mean, God yeah. forbid the ocean catches fire next. It is 2020, but yeah. <laughs> 2020. We're hoping that that'll that'll work to our advantage. That we're riding along the coast the whole way. Cool. Well, I I do hope it happens. I don't want to be a pessimist. Um, either way, we we'll just you just point yourself in another direction and just ride a thousand miles in that direction. If California is off the menu, so it should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Find a way to suffer. That's that's the goal. <laughs> Just a last minute audible. Yeah. Um, so before you usually go into the backcountry or um, potentially on the on the break the the bicycle ride, mm-hmm. um, I've noticed that you kind of do uh, almost what you did on on the podcast here. You kind of do a greeting, mm-hmm. um, and so you've been singing Lakota ceremony songs. And and can you talk a little bit about that? You know, even the the greeting you used here on the podcast, or like what you do when you go into the back country and, you know, acknowledging what you're doing with the land. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, that's that's exactly it. Um, is acknowledging. So, like, when I, you know, introduce myself here, I first say how I'm a takayape. Well, that means like it, we translate it now, kind of as a greeting, but really, like, the word how is more like saying like I acknowledge you, and matakayape is like saying that to your your relatives, and in the Lakota way of being, like, we view everything as related. Everybody is your relative. Everything is your relative. And everything has a, a, a consciousness and a spirit of its own. Um, and so when I go out into the backcountry, I like to sing to the directions. And the, the idea behind that is essentially like you're not just experiencing a place when you go out there. Like a, a place is experiencing you. Mm. And so for me, that's kind of like my uh, step beyond leave no trace, if you will which is that like you couldn't not leave a trace you yeah. know like you go out there and you ride your bike through the forest or you ski through the woods like you're automatically intimately in relationship with those trees right you exhale that carbon dioxide and they're going to inhale that when they do photosynthesis and you know they're breathing out that oxygen to you and like that's instantly like this really deep form of relationship you're sharing molecules in order to make each other live and so i think for me it's just like remembering especially in backcountry skiing like your fate is kind of beyond you sometimes when it comes to navigating avalanche conditions and all that sort of stuff and so for me like i just want to feel spiritually right with the place where i'm at and so that that tradition has kind of carried over from learning it in ceremony to realizing like there's no exception of this there's no time when i'm not in relationship with all of my relations and so that's that's kind of my objective there yeah was, i i don't know I, I was watching a video of you in a backcountry skiing um video and it, it really resonated and and you were also there with um len nesifer who's the founder of native outdoors and, and he kind of equated that to like pulling a permit before going into the back country. And, and, you know, that, that really resonated to me because, um, yeah, I'm, whether it's backcountry skiing or, you know, the, the Alpine adventures that we've been doing on our bikes, like you need to really acknowledge where you are and there's gotta be a respect for the land. Like, like you just said, like, you don't know what's going to happen when you're out there, you know, like conditions can change rapidly and, you know, a storm might blow through. So I don't know. I, I, I I saw that and just I thought it was a really interesting way to think about it and yeah to treat a place as like a relative and um and exist symbiotically yeah yeah well you can't not be in symbiosis so you might as well really lean into it lean into total it, yeah. new, just out of left field do you think that can exist when you're in a city or is that exclusive to getting out into the outdoors and into the mountains uh, or does that feeling, I've just felt recently that when I am leaving the mountains, coming back into Denver, um, I, I love living here, but you just start getting into overpasses and concrete and urban decay and all of the sensations of being in an urban environment. And it, it feels gray and sad. Mm -hmm. Um, and which of course the mountains are the opposite, but I wonder if a city can have any degree of that you know there are still leaves you know there's there's some natural environment here but it's just fundamentally been changed yeah i mean i for me i think it's maybe more 
important in the city in a way. And the reason to me is because like you're nature, I'm nature. Like, and I think we allow our urban living to separate us from that reality of being a biological process that's connected to all biological processes out there. And I think it's part of why our city life can be so broken to us. And I think it's also points to the, the fundamental changes we need to make moving forward if we want to improve our health and the health of our ecosystems while still living with a degree of population density. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, like, I think sometimes that's the hardest place to remember to and the most important place to lean into that feeling of, like, yeah, like, those aspen trees right out the window of Rodeo Labs here, like, those are just as much nature as yeah. the aspen trees that you pass on your ride. And, you know, their leaves will change all the same and they're connected that their root system all the same. And, you know, not letting ourselves get too far from that is a good way to like stay grounded in, in keeping that, that medicine that we get to like capture in our adventures. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. That's I feel well like, put. I like that. Yeah. I just feel like, yeah. I just got served. <laughs> I, I think there's definitely the mentality in Colorado of like, oh, you got to escape the city and get into the mountains. And, and it's really easy to, to overlook it, you know, wherever you are in the front range. Uh, but yeah, this, this space is probably just as equally important. Um, and you have to treat it with that respect. And, and yeah, the mountains are awesome, but so is, so is where we are right now. Yeah. I mean, th that's been one of the most fun things for me of, leaning into the bike adventure is like a lot of what I'm doing is much more on the planes. And I think like falling in love with that ecosystem that for me is like much more close to what my ancestors would have been on has been a really refreshing part of it and being like, this is. So you've been going east a bit, uh, or at least not just directly, you know, like up Flagstaff or Sunshine or whatever. Yeah, know. it turns out like that's not the first bike ride you want to do. No. <laughs> straight up Flagstaff. <laughs> so yeah, I, I tend to find myself like riding north and south along the front range as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, going east a bit too. And just like, I think in Colorado, we tend to think like only the mountains are nature. And sometimes I'll recreate in other places, Nebraska or South Dakota or something, where they don't have that same option. And it's really easy to, like, go into the woods there and be like, ooh, like, this is nature and lean into it when you come out of a city. And I think, like, in Colorado, we need to change our, our habits about that a little bit, too. Not that the... I'm not saying we should strictly recreate on the eastern half, but, you know, we got to show it a little love. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Uh, more in the winter than the summer. I think in the winter around here, I don't so much like to go up into the canyons and the mountains because it's just brutal up there mm -hmm. between, you know, the, the snow that will never melt on that one corner of the road or whatever it is. <laughs> it's just harsh. So I'll go east, uh, east of Aurora, east of DIA, kind of Denver east, and you just find the most sublime austere winter days out there where you can see forever the, the the hills just roll all day long and it's like a mind eraser in a good way because you don't have spectacular vistas you have just everything taken away from you and but it's 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 really meditative it's a totally different type of riding and i could probably only do about six of those before i can't like <laughs> do many more because they're not visually overwhelming but it's it's like an exhale to an inhale to all summer in the mountains. Um, 
And then, of course, right now, it'd just be brutal to go out there in the heat. But yeah, uh, love the plains. But just enough. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think the rollers out there, too, are just... It's fascinating. You know, you're like, it's almost like waves. You see them coming. They're really far away, you know, and then you ride up to it and you're like, I'm at the top. And then you like go down, you already see the next one. And yeah, I think it's, it's humbling to ride East, you know, and, and see a different landscape and, and it's a different riding style. You know, it's not a sustained climb. Um, and the wind will get you. Ooh, yeah. That's hard. So, <laughs> so you, you've, you've done a, a fair bit of mountain biking like you're a good mountain biker uh and i didn't i didn't really know but i I got the impression that you don't do a lot of sort of more road or gravel or drop bar or rigid just you know bike riding before this it was kind of great like when we were talking and i met you i was like (laughs) do you have a helmet do you have pedals all right let's put some flats on here like let's just make this thing work and we'll figure out what we need to do next so what's that transition like you're preparing for a thousand miles Mm -hmm. um and was this maybe three weeks ago ish was it a month yeah i think about something like that weeks, yeah. yeah um how's it how's it been going you're you're riding a different bike now and you've, you've got some miles under your belt yeah i mean it's been uh really refreshing in a way because like i just feel like i have this expectation all the time of like how adrenaline packed like an adventure needs to be in order for it to like pay off. Right. Like as a backcountry skier, like in order to be willing to spend that time in the cold, like going uphill, there has to be like this payoff. And I think it's kind of changed my mentality about that a little bit, which is like, I find a lot more payoff just in the general present moment all the time, because it's not like I like the, the pot of gold isn't at the end of like some rainbow, you know, it's not like in a definitive place. Um, so I'm kind of always looking for it and, and I've enjoyed that part. And the other thing that I, I guess like I didn't realize how fast it would all feel. <laughs> Cause like, I still like, that's really my like thing as a skier. I like to ride like fast, steep, fluid lines. Um, and that's what I liked about, you know, downhill mountain biking is like just that pure speed. And I kind of like had only ridden the commuter bike before this. And, and I thought riding your bike would be in the same category as that, but it's not at all. And <laughs> Hopefully so, our bike is quicker than a, a commuter. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that was really the thing for me. Like the first time I took it out, after picking it up from you guys, I, I went straight home to my neighborhood and I like stepped on it. And the first time I felt that like feeling of like acceleration on a bike like that, I was like, whoa, like this is really, this is really different. There's like a way that your like force in your body translates to movement on the road that's so different that that really just like woke me up to like, okay, there's something there's something to be explored here and that sustained degree of speed over time is like, I don't know, you just settle into a place with it and it, it feels really cool. Cool. And I've seen some gravel slash front range, low level single track on the bike too, which is fun. I I hope you're riding roads on it. That's all great. And then I mm-hmm. hope you're like, where's that go? You know, where's that go? Turn right. Like, exactly. That's, that's definitely been the best part of it. And like, 
it's cool too because like i'm totally new to this realm of things and like i look the part of being new you know like, don't let anyone i saw those people they were like you need to get the gear and i was like oh shut up everybody just let him let him do whatever he wants <laughs> well that's one thing that i've i've kind of decided uh as i do this ride as my little part of incorporating inclusiveness in my own way is like for me like I did a substantial part of my growing up uh, across town in Five Points. I lived on Martin Luther King and Downing. Um, and so, I, like, I existed as a person of color who isn't black within a largely black community at that time. And then, um, you know, that's always been an influence of mine. I've been, like, very hip-hop culture, like, basketball as my favorite, you know, sport to watch, kind of like, vibe of a person and so when i looked at like cycling gear i'm like that looks pretty white like <laughs> there's kind of no way around it and i thought about the friends that i had you know growing up and like one of my best friends lives in atlanta and i was like he loves to go snowboarding when i'm skiing we love to go up to the resort together and part of what he loves about it is like putting on that like north face gear and like he gets to wear like his beanie and his ski mask and it all like there's a very like hip-hop feel to it and so kind of what i decided with this ride is like i want to do this whole ride in baggy gym shorts and throwback basketball jerseys because that's like that's what i wear that's who i am and i want other people who are like that's what i wear and that's who i am to think like i can just get on a bicycle like this i don't need yeah to look the part like of being a cyclist like we're we're all just outside doing this thing and you know they get pulled into competition or whatever to the point where that's necessary you know their relationship to it probably will change but i think like for people initially just looking at like could i do this too like part of my way to have an emphatic yes is to be like yeah and you can show up just like yeah, this in yeah. your sneakers you know in your shorts like you're enough as you are you're enough to go out and have a good time on a bike but the flip side of that has been being on your bike, which like I think carries a level of clout of its own in this area, <laughs> and then being dressed the way I am. And people will like look at me and be like, oh, like this guy, like he's just riding this bike for transportation, like based on how he's dressed. I'm in like a burn helmet that also like doubles as like a rafting and skiing helmet. Like it's the most generic, like, yeah. you know almost like skateboard looking helmet and like getting those looks from people and then being like, Oh, this guy's not serious. And then passing them. That's uh -oh, like yeah. a real joy. And, and then with this <laughs> bike in particular and where I've been taking it, it's fun. Cause like I'll pass like a full suspension mountain bike on a stretch of single track. And then on my way home, I'll pass somebody else on a road bike. And like, I always get the look first. And the thing is like, they don't know like I'm a professional athlete like outside of this. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, just like who's this guy? And I'm like, ooh, like I'm going to turn up on these folks. And That's that, some funny kind of motivation you're describing. That feeling it. is really fun because it's like you immediately like make yourself an outsider through your own performance and through your own drive to do things. And I think that's something that like anybody as they enter a sport can get excited and like find their stoke around if you will yeah I, I think that's super cool i when we started rodeo we weren't 
making bikes and had no plans to make bikes. Uh, it was like this team that I started with some friends here in Denver. And the only reason the team existed was because the other teams were very serious and had a lot of rules about what it took to be on the team. And I had some mountain biker friends who were like baggy shorts and shred, you know, and, and then there was me and yeah, I rode race and I had my own little cultural perspective, but, uh, rodeos and we haven't really rewritten that part on the website i think it's still there and it just was like come do bikes however you want to do them um so i've been doing that to the degree that i want to since it started but it's way cooler to see somebody else come in and go i'm gonna keep doing that but i'm gonna do it in a way that you didn't anticipate and it's different than the way you know you're sort of our act of rebellion against you know roadie culture uh which is kind of part of where the name came from um is now extended even even further and better by someone who's like no i'm gonna dress how i want i'm gonna pass you if i want and uh i'm gonna and i'm gonna look like who i am instead of like the uniform um yeah it's just that makes me happy um, I, I don't want to be a brand that, that gets too caught up in the image part of it. And we, we definitely are there in the image part of it. Um, I know, you know, w- what we like to show and I know what you have to show people to get them to pay attention. So some of that happens, um, but you don't want that to motivate what your real core culture is. So I hope nobody is effective at like all those homo- <laughs> the people in that that were telling you like all right you need to change this this and I was like no just <laughs> just ride your bike and have fun they're kind of happiness machines that's exactly it like that's that's the biggest thing for me it's just like ride the bike and have fun that should be the thing it's mostly about and when you're new to it yeah. and the bike is a blast like that's definitely what it is. But then, like, when you do 85% of your riding in Boulder County, like, you know, not everybody still has that feeling and motivation about why they're doing it. And, you know, I hope, like, in the process of passing them or just, you know, turning heads, like, that they're reminded of that, you know, that, like, that's that's what it's really about. It's just being out there. I think cycling's starting to let itself uh, just go back and revisit who it wants to be with a lot of the sort of the gravel and the off-road things that are going on now, like hand up. They just did the, the denim jorts, uh, but they stretch, uh, and it just looks like cut off jeans. And like the minute they dropped those things, they sold out hard. Uh, and I think they've come back through and done it again, but they were like, we're just gonna, you know, we're going to release what we want to wear. Um, and it'll be different. And I think people are like, yes, those, and then the flannel thing, and then the whatever, and it's it's getting remixed. Uh, and it needs new people coming in and remixing it. Um, that fresh perspective. Yeah. 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 I'll keep making what I like um, because it's just your fountain is ultimately just like who you are. Uh, definitely. But mixing in other parts of it would definitely make it uh we talked a little bit about that but just like how can we get new flavors and spices and things and make like a way more interesting so i hope i hope we do more of that um so that's cool so you what's the longest ride that you've done do you know so far i think it's just 50 miles that's not just that's great (laughs) i mean that's (laughs) <laughs> but what I like is that it feels like just yeah. like my biggest barrier to not having been able to ride farther yet is like one, the smoke. Um, yeah. and two, the fact that like, 
Yo, I don't know how you guys have time for these long ass rides. Like, <laughs> that's a, it's the time of year where, like, as a skier, like a lot of people don't realize, like, a lot of work in an office and at the computer goes into it uh, in yeah. the summer. So it's the time of year where, like, I'm in like three or four meetings with you know a day with content people, creative people, trying to just like put all the pieces together. And so it's like to find the time to ride more than three hours or so is a little bit difficult, but I'm getting faster now to where like, like this morning I rode 40 miles and it only took me two hours and 15 minutes. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like it's starting to click and like, I'm starting to know where to go to where like I can link up a road ride into the single track all at once. I don't have to just like drive to some single track and drop myself off there. So yeah, it, it kind of, you know, you like form a, a different map of where you're at in your head. Um, through cycling and now i'm starting to like put that together in a way so where i can be efficient with where yeah. i'm going and how i'm training so that's that's helping me get more mileage in people people have a very mistaken view that we are just out like living the dream around here all the time and i'm like people i ride work and i ride home most days so that's anywhere <laughs> between 20 and usually maybe 20 30 miles max you know two directions yeah um, so that's to and that's my bike riding Monday through Friday most of the time. And then I sit at a desk all day and like cut vinyl and weed it and email customers and talk on the phone. And there's not a lot of glamour in it. And then we'll go on like one super fun, massive like event ride. Uh-huh. Uh, and people are like, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> so I haven't done a ride that awesome in like a month. Like, so those are like once every week or three. I don't know. How often do you go on a big ski trip? I mean... It's kind of relative to like, I guess, people's perspective. Um, because like, you know, I don't ski to my house for transportation. That's true. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, probably only like uh, two or three times a season am I like, you know, going to do like a hut or, a, you know, pulling a polk in somewhere to set up for something. But at the same time, like, I am lucky in that, like, I'd probably put in, like, 40 hours a week on the mountain pretty regularly throughout the throughout the winter. Um, but, I mean, most of that is just slowly slogging my way, you know, up whatever line. The, the actual downhill portion of it is pretty... Do you ever chase winter around the world? Uh, and we only get so much winter or so much summer. I've never been able to do that uh like go into the southern hemisphere i'd like to um i can definitely see like you know at natives outdoors like we're about all forms of indigenous storytelling um so i'd love to do something that you know overlays with the indigenous people um either in new zealand or in uh south america and do some skiing there I was starting to brainstorm that for this year and then COVID and everything. So it was like, no, but, uh, I chase a lot of storms. Um, but oftentimes it, it, that, you know, just looks like going to like Southern Colorado or Utah or Montana or whatever. It doesn't take me super far. Yeah. I have plenty more questions, Nick, but I'm just the intern. <laughs> no, I like it. I like where this is going. Um, I think I think keep them coming, and I can always reference the script where needed. Yeah. Well, so I um, 
we're like in this moment now where racial inequality is discussed a lot uh, and we're re- revisiting this in a healthy way and asking questions. So uh, as, as that was building momentum, uh, I've been just asking myself, well, what's a small custom bike builders role in the middle of all of this. And I've, I've had conversations with different people about it and sort of gotten their feedback on what do you think that we could do? Um, and that, I guess that's the sport of cycling, but also rodeo labs. And I don't mean to like put you on the spot, but like from, from where you sit, as you see us, what would be, uh, things that we can do to is, should we bring more people into this sport? Uh, that's a question I've actually asked myself because it can be very, like you described, idiosyncratic and very niche uh, and, and in some ways unappealing, like there's a lot of suffering involved. And, uh, but if the assumption or the answer to that is yes, like we should be getting more people involved, we should be making it more diverse, we should be broadening you know, who is represented in the sport. What are ways to do that? Uh, you know, do you have ideas um, or have you thought about it yourself? Uh, and maybe you've thought about it in the context of skiing. Um, so I'm curious, is it, is, is there, you know, a, a step one is maybe a conversation or just being aware of it? Uh, I, I'd love to, I know that's a big thing just to throw out there. Hey, what do you think about this? Can you, you know, but I don't know. I can't answer that from your perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess the way I would answer that is like, it was like four or five seasons ago. I really only skied in the resort. Um, and I kind of just had this idea that like backcountry skiing was, you know, just for people who lived in the mountains and had all this extra time and resources. And there just wasn't something I would probably ever need to do. And uh, I had a friend who sold me a pair of these uh, marker Duke bindings, which were like, this sort of primitive uh, backcountry binding where like the whole frame of the binding <laughs> flexes at the toe and it weighs just a ridiculous amount, but it allows you to, you know, do your first little bit of skinning without committing to switching over to a pin binding. Um, and I had a friend who I believe sold me like, and, and you know, to buy these new, they were probably like six, seven, eight hundred dollars whatever. And he sold me a, a gently used pair of these bindings, um, I think for like 20 bucks and a joint. And <laughs> like that doorway opening through that, like allowed me to become like the person that I am. Um, like now I do almost strictly backcountry skiing. I've made multiple films like, and so I'd say like the biggest thing is really like, it's maybe less so about what brands can do as much as it's about like, what can you do to influence the culture of cycling to make it more inclusive? And I think one of the biggest ways to do that is to reframe how people consider secondhand gear. Um, because that is a huge doorway, you know, like almost everybody knows how to ride a bicycle but, uh, for a lot of people that ends at the moment of like, I got a car, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think like if someone is passionate about 
cycling and wants to make that change and wants to see their sport become different, like put somebody on a bike that's fun. And I, I think the easiest way to do that is through like your personal relationships. You know, I think it's hard to not be performative as a brand to be like, who's a black indigenous person right. of color that might want a bicycle for something cool and just like broadcast right. that to the world. Like, I don't think that's really the answer. Um, I, I think like the answer lies in like, yeah, like this is my friend from some other, you know, form of relationship. And like, what if I said like, Hey, I've got an extra bike. Like you want to just like come for a ride with me sometime? Like, this is what I'm passionate about. Like you yeah. want to just try it? Like, I think like that sort of thing is huge. Um, I love the, and per- it takes the person that to person part of, of that, like a friend, a single act is explosive. It's like a seed. It's way more impactful and it's like way more genuine and it's not like, like you can think of which of your friends who doesn't bike might want to. Like that's a pretty easy thing to do. It's a lot harder to be like, how do I form a, do I need to start a nonprofit? Do I need to like, you know what I mean? Like that whole, like, <laughs> that it's is not, not easy. It's not easy and it's not real and it's, you know, if you have 10 people show up because you've started this new nonprofit, like what's the level of trust they're going to have in you to be like, I know you can go for a ride in this place and go this far. And like, I think like all of these outdoor sports take a, a, a you know, the way they allow us to know ourselves better it is really indicative of like how they allow us to know other people better and our communities better. And I think like they're a tool for that. And I think you have to have some level of connection and community underlying what you're doing for that to like really work and for you to really empower someone through getting them into a sport. Otherwise it's just like, here, let me just like voice this thing upon you because like, this is the box I need to check. And I just, you know, it's, I, I just don't think like that's, that's really what gets us to like the real goal of what we're trying to heal and fix collectively. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's good. I, I'm one of the things I'm enjoying the most right now is watching the women's team. Uh, they started really strong, and then COVID completely got in the way of everything. Um, and now they've been having these small uh, women's only rides, and they're inviting uh, new people into it. And I actually don't have a ton of visibility. I I, I don't go to the rides. Uh, I'm not a woman. Uh, but watching what I can see just makes me so happy to see them just out shredding South Table together. And, uh, you know, some of the stories they've told about, you know, you can come on this ride and you can ride your mountain bike. This isn't about like this kind of bike and doing this thing, but hanging out and go, getting out on the trails in the mountain and just hearing that they're hanging together, building friendships, really happy and discovering, I think a lack of intimidation is really cool to see in that group. Um, and now they're biting off some huge challenges together. They were just up in the high country doing some gnarly stuff. And I just like, just just made me happy. Uh, And it's so relational and it's really, it's small because of COVID. You can't do anything big. I think maybe that's not even a terrible thing in a way that like these small, these forcefully small groups, um, have been really cool. So, um, it's just hard to, yeah, it's hard to, the performative thing, uh, it kind of scares me to death that, that you put on a show and you know that it isn't real. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think that's just a nerve that I have that's an exposed nerve of when things seem fake. Um, I, it just, I can't live with it. Um, 
but you want to find a balance there. Like you need to reach out to new people, you need to build new relationships. And so we met you through an introduction. So right. shout out to Brody. Yeah. Um, and so that felt real. Uh, and I was like, yes, like, I, wait, we can do this. We can, we can have a conversation. And, and, and when we were talking with you, I was like, I don't think you even know if you're going to like this yet. So let's no, not I have like, no idea. No <laughs> strings attached. Like if in two months you're over it or that's okay. Let's just see what happens if you just ride this bike and let me know how it's going. And I'd love to check in. That's kind of where it's at. Uh, yeah. And I'm dying to know how a thousand miles is like, so super legit of a distance. Yeah, it feels feels legit looking at it from a couple weeks out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's going to be so cool, though. I, d- I haven't done anything that long. I did something that took me five or six days uh, this year in February, and it completely changed my life. Like, it changed how I think, uh, and being that stretched um, was so profound. So I'm excited for you for that. Um, it's, yeah... It's kind of like riding east, but for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I think that's kind of same thing of, you know, come at, come as you are. You know, whether it's, you know, if you're on a certain bike or if you're if you want to wear the kit or not and rock what you got. Like you have something to offer. Uh, I think it's you know that unique and, and genuine connection and, and sharing it and creating it and same thing i think it goes back into like the land as well like you know come as you are to the land like you know you you want to go into the mountains you want to go into the plains you want to you want to bring a new friend onto a ride i don't know i think that's i think that's a really interesting um way to to approach it and yeah that unique human to human connection that's hard to beat, you know, and I think it, it gets obscured a lot in, in this day and age with modern technology of phones. And you don't really, you don't look at someone like eye to eye and say like, oh, okay, I see you, you know, like you're just, you're messaging someone. And so I think, you know, in these times, you know, it, it's really important to establish that and, and yeah, see what someone else is interested in uh, and try something new um, totally. and then see where you get. Yeah. We'll have to go back country skiing. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how to ski, <laughs> but I'll try. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared of backcountry skiing. Just the avalanche part of it, and I know they've gotten it down to a science, but um, it's a science. But like the part of it, I don't think I get that sensation when I go riding. It's obviously there, but I don't have that sensation of like nature can bite you uh, that hard. And that's the part of backcountry that's always kind of scared me is like, man, nature can really bite you. And it's right there in front of you. Super raw. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's what has me, you know, singing the songs and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's any last words, like you want to get them out, you know, at the the beginning of those days. Yeah. (laughs) Nick and I got stuck in a blizzard on Georgia pass this year on bikes. Oh yeah. Uh, and it was the most afraid I've been period. And I, I saw some expressions in Nick's face that I had never seen before. And that was very powerful of just not knowing if it's going to work out yeah. is not a modern sensation in this world. You don't right. get a lot of that. Is nature going to let me get away with this or am I, am I going down? I don't know how to get off this mountain. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something that we're missing though. I think there's something like, I think that's the, you know, one of the, one of the things we've lost along the way is like to get really humbled by your environment yeah is actually really good for you and i think like you approach life differently after that sort of thing has happened you know and i I think like 
there's there's definitely some world leaders I'd like to put into a blizzard, you know, just for a minute. <laughs> That's such a great thought. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know. We've actually really unpacked that discussion ever. I mean, I know you and I have, and we've talked about it with a close circle of friends. But yeah, it's I guess it's just really interesting, you know so much of, of life now is curated experiences and, and being thrown into something that is completely raw. Like as, you know, as a data analyst that, you know, filtering data, it's like, you know, you get a raw data set and you're like, well, how do you process this down? So people know what to look at. But like when you're just like overwhelmed and you're like, there's so many outcomes here. I don't even know like what's going to happen. Like it is truly a raw moment and every bit of life is pretty much curated you know so to speak of like you you wake up you you make your morning coffee you sit at your desk you you do something on the computer so like yeah that moment it's powerful yeah i i don't know if i want another experience like that but i think i'm really glad to have had that experience right it's a good i don't want to know that experience is coming i don't think i could go into it knowing that it's coming i just need to get surprised if that's going to happen to me and then figure out how to get to the end of it yeah uh that's uh, yeah but just like knowing sometimes the second, like the first time you ride a hill will always be for me the best part because I don't really know how bad it'll be or how long it'll take to get to the top. And then after I've done it 10 times, I'm like, ah, oh, I know what I'm in for. I know that one curve and when it ramps up here and I hate that part. Okay. We're getting to a part I like again. I have all these little monologues with myself, but that when it's all fresh and you just get, you don't know what's coming. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the favorite things for me about backcountry skiing is like you're in a world that's like constantly shifting like that. Yeah. Like conditions vary so greatly. And like, you know, it, when you're, when you're on a bike, you're kind of limited to like whatever the trail and the road is, is where you're going to be. Yeah. Um, but there's no trail. There's no, like you've set the skin track. And so there's days where it's like you go out with an objective and something, entirely different happens and i think like learning to navigate in those spaces like uh both internally and externally is something for me that's like it's kind of like a process of like re-indigenizing myself um to be like okay like i know like how to get around i know like back to where I started has to be down in some form. Like, you know, and I think like that, that feeling of total, uh, uncertainty within nature, like really just pulls me back closer to my roots because I think there's a a degree of that, which would have happened in, in everyday life for indigenous people. And so uh, I really like leaning into that and also, you know, pushing my friends who aren't indigenous into that same thing and being like, this is like, this is a way that the land interacts with you. And it's yeah. like, it's cool to get to know it that way and be like, okay, like this mountain is a being with me in its hands and like my fate is there. And I think like, yeah, that's, that's an easy way to be reminded that that place is like a relative much bigger than you, you know? That's cool. I'm going to yeah. take that into the mountains with me the next time I go think of it that way. It's just a cool perspective. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, I did just get more jealous of skiing just on the thought that, like, if I go into the mountains, there's a kind of a route or a trail, and then you can just he- just go right left off the ridge. Uh, at, at You know, I'm sure there are some points you won't go up, but, like, the whole mountain is your canvas. Yeah. And for me, I've got, like, this little line through the environment that my bike is capable of, you know, but, yeah. I'm now officially super jealous of that. 
I mean, I guess some mountain bikers are doing that, right? They're like taking the fall line down and they're taking some, they're doing some big mountain stuff on big mountain bikes. Right. I don't have that experience or skill, so. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're making next. The, the <laughs> movie where I take you back country skiing and then somebody takes both of us free ride down. Oh, like, man, oh, <laughs> Are there helicopters involved? I always wanted to have a helicopter ride in. <laughs> Heli drop. We, yeah, we did. You know we tried, TGR? <laughs> we tried to rent helicopters last year in the San Juans to do a satirical gravel bike heli drop. That'd we, be hilarious. It, There's some spots up there though where like a gravel road will take you to like thirteen thousand yeah. feet. Oh, so. yeah. yeah. It. I wanted it to happen, but it was it was tens. It was at least ten, if not tens of thousands of dollars, because fire season had rented all the helicopters oh, and they were yeah. all off site. You know, they weren't on site for the winter heli skiing. They all go back to wherever they winter summer. Uh, but They're I mean, like I was geese, huh? yeah, they are <laughs> helicopters. Mountain helicopters are like that. So I'm not ruling it out. Like if we can figure it out someday, we will do a satirical gravel heli drop. Um, it'll be very not cool. Uh, but it'll be funny. <laughs> Hilarious. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I know I know I want to get like uh this is chapter one and I feel like when's the ride planned? Yeah, so it's planned to start September third, I wanna say. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and I join in on the tenth. Okay. Um yeah, and then we'll be riding through the thirtieth. Okay. Um, yeah. So all next month. Um, yeah. And if people want to check it out, uh, you know, the, the ultimate goal of the ride is for us to uh, fundraise, um, and we'll be hopefully trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars. And the goal will then to be to redistribute that out uh, through grants to programs which specifically cater to Black and Indigenous mental health um, within our own community. So in inner cities and on reservations and things like that, um, as well as, you know, just getting these conversations rolling about how black and indigenous men's mental health needs are, are, you know, vastly different and how that's kind of been overlooked, um, as a, as a part of healing this, this whole process that we're all kind of collectively committing to in this time. So, um, We'll put links, we'll get them from you, and we'll put them when we, we post this podcast on our site. But audibly, if people are listening on Apple or Spotify or something like that, where can they connect with that? Um, yeah, I think the easiest way is uh, just at Break the Bicycle on social media, okay. uh, Instagram. Because um, I'm not going to be able to it's tell you. It's not at like, Break the Cycle. It's at Break the Bicycle. Break the Bicycle. Yeah. Yep. Which messed me up once or twice, but I'm on it now. Yeah. I got yeah, it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Break the Bicycle. And that's like capital B-I for Black and Indigenous Cycle. And that's the, you know, break the cycles of unwellness from in our communities from within. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it starts in Vancouver and then you'll join in where? Well, we originally were scheduled to start in Vancouver, but okay. the uh, the border is still not oh, okay. open. Yep. They are not letting us up there. So we are where there's a like a fundraiser dinner that the community of Vancouver is doing on their own uh, to help support us, which is awesome. But uh, our ride officially starts in Bellingham. Got um, it. Yeah. Nice. Like and you're going to live gram the whole thing, right? So we can yep. see what's happening. Yep. Through the 360 yep. GoPro on yeah. the helmet the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Is there a dot? Will you have a dot that people can follow? Have you done that? 
I don't know. I mean, I could look into doing that sort of thing. That sounds if interesting. Need, uh, I, w- I have a little uh, inreach dot tracker thing. If if you want, hit me up. Um, we have a couple of days. We could swing that together before we go. Anyway, it just pings to a map. Um, we'd need to do a little text stuff because it has my name associated with it. But um, <laughs> I don't want people to think that I'm personally riding a thousand miles. <laughs> But it's cool when someone can look at a dot and see where it's gone. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, it's actually highly addictive. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be fun. Nice. So, yep. Cool. Yeah. But I, th- I mean, I think like 360 GoPros and joking aside, I think it's... Oh, know, no, I'm really going to win. Oh, okay. It just won't be a live stream. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I think, you know, this point, like where we are right now in, in human history is really interesting where it's like, we can push for a fundamental change and doing rides like you're doing, you know, that's exactly how it's done. You know, you're raising awareness for mental health, um, for black and indigenous cultures. And, and so, yeah, I think, you know, moments like this, or even just, you know, a friend, you know, having a genuine introduction of like, Hey, Steven, here's Connor, Connor, Steven, you know, and, and look where you guys are. Bindings for 20 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know? And so I think, there's a lot of information out there and, and sometimes I think it can be information overload, but also like at the same time, like you can see that people are making a difference. And so I'm really excited to see how the ride goes for you. And I definitely love to love to check in afterwards and, and see what happened. Yeah, um, for sure. I war can't. stories are the best. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, it's all totally out of my element. I've been to California like twice before and yeah, it'll be a whole new world, but I think that's the thing for all of us right now is we're all in kind of a new world and been forced to reflect on things in a new way with COVID and BLM and all these different things. And I think like there's just so much like beauty in the world that we find through sport like this, that we find through our creative, you know, ventures of natives outdoors and rodeo labs and stuff like that. And I think like the the most awesome thing is to figure out like how do we still go full speed at that kind of stuff hmm. and somehow find the way for like all these things to also join forces about like social and environmental causes and like we're the first generation that gets to do that and we have social media as we do it and like we can you know really use all of that in such a way to to weave a whole new kind of existence where you get to be, you know, <laughs> activists and entrepreneurs and environmentalists and cyclists and skiers all at the same time. And I think that's a really powerful way to experience life. And it's a heck of a lot of fun too. So there's, there's some genuine fun that happens, which is amazing that yeah. right in the middle of all that, you Let's can really real. love it's, what you do. It's giddy exhilaration. <laughs> it is, yes. Cool. Yeah. All right. It's, it's go time for you next week, right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, we're wishing you luck. Uh, we're here to help, uh, and we're super interested in story time. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, it was really great having you on, and definitely best of luck. Appreciate it. Rodeo. Rodeo Labs podcast is filmed in front of a live studio audience.